On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Grindhouse Girls friends and fam. In the year 2009, a little horror film by the name of Orphan did incredibly well at the box office, overtaking its $20 million budget and making $78.8 million. Fueled by rumors of true events and with a shocking twist towards the end, the movie only gained popularity when it went to home video and streaming services. However, it was surprising when a prequel was announced 13 years later with the original actress once again playing the titular character. Not only that, but millennial teen star Julia Stiles returned to the big screen to co-star in this unexpected prequel. Premiering on Paramount Plus, was this a welcome addition to the orphan film lore? Or was it just dumped onto streaming for a quick buck? So watch out for those train tracks and check your smoothie for unwanted surprises. This week, we're covering Orphan First Kill, and this is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. Katie. Hi there, I am Brittany. This is the Grindhouse Girls podcast. I realized we forgot to write in Orphan First Kill, so. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, I just that's added the movie. That in. That's it's the movie, movie we're doing. Yes, and I watched it on Amazon Prime. And so- I did too, but I originally watched it on, I think it was originally on Peacock or Paramount Plus. Okay. It must have been Paramount Plus. And I believe it's still on MGM Plus and Paramount Plus okay. too. MGM Plus used to be Epics. Oh, and now oh, it's yeah, and now it's MGM Plus. Was that like a like a TV like a uh, channel? It was a TV Epics channel. Has the movies because there's okay. like HBO, Showtime, Stars, Cinemax, yeah. then Epics. And you're rich if you had all of them. If you yeah, definitely. Yeah. I never had any of them yeah. growing up. So I think we had HBO, and then my dad would bitch about paying more for the other ones. So. Yeah, that's well, H- right. HBO was where it was at yeah. in the early 2000s, oh, late yeah. 90s. So I, I do remember the original Orphan coming out. Yes. I did not see it until after I saw this movie, though, weirdly. Yeah, and I did see it. Like, I, I didn't see it in theaters, but I did see it once it came to, like, video. I think we may have rented it, but I remember watching mm-hmm. it. And I did enjoy it. I was like, holy shit, because I actually, I did not see the twist coming. I thought it was, like, another little evil child movie. So. Yeah, I, I did, too. I was like, Ugh, that's so... I will say, also, nowadays, the term orphan isn't really a very kind... Or socially appropriate term. I mean, it's a technical term. It's not quite 
a bad word, but I don't think people really generally like to be called orphan. It's usually like a childless parent, like a child, a parent, a childless parent, yeah, a parentless child, you know, someone who's, yeah, oh, yeah, sorry. So it's just like <laughs> but, in my head, I just, it's like sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Yes, I'm like, my oh, motherless child. Fuck. Okay, that's a great song. That, that takes on a different meaning. It does, um, it does. So, but um, yes. But that's what they've named the sequel because in 2009, when this movie came, the original movie came out, it was like Orphan. Yeah. And everyone was like talking about the twist, the twist. Do you know what the twist is? Do you know what the twist is? And we know what it is, but of course, we won't tell you until spoilers because I feel like spoiling the first movie is kind of mean because I feel like that whole movie, the whole point of it is the twist. Yeah. This movie also has a twist. Yeah, it does have a twist. That was what was surprising about it. Like, it was like, oh, what could the twist be? There was such a great twist in the first one. I was like, okay, that's a good twist. Yeah, it was. I would not say this is not like a stylish horror movie. Mm -hmm. It's a very, like, basic slasher kind of popcorn movie almost. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, which is funny because the first movie, so I watched this one when it first came on streaming and then, cause I was just bored one night and I was just like, what movie? I want to watch something horror, but not something really scary. Well, Oh, that looks silly. So I turned it on and it was definitely better than I thought it was going to be, but it was also, I briefly talked about it. I think on one of our sidetracks when I watched it, it was, but it's, it's better than I thought it was going to be, but it's very like basic. Yeah. Um, but like the first movie, I didn't realize this has Tysa Farmiga as the mom and Peter Sarsgaard oh, uh, as the Vera, dad. Vera Farmiga. Vera Farmiga. Yeah, I'm sorry. Vera, no, it's Vera Farmiga. Yeah, but Vera. Is, is Vera or yeah. Tysa? Tysa's yeah. the younger one. Yeah. Vera, Vera Farmiga. Vera is uh, the older. Grace Motel. Yes. Yes. So. Which, yes. I get that. But, you know, who are both, both really actresses. good at horror, too. They are, yes. Um, But, like, Vera's, and has Margot Martindale yes. as the psychiatrist. And I was like. This is like a really good cast for this character movie. Character actress Margot Martindale. Character actress Margot Martindale. If you watch, um, uh, shit. Bojack. Bojack, of course, ma'am. But yes, I. So I was actually very surprised how well done the first movie is. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is very sad compared to this movie, which this is very basic. I will. Most of the performances are better than I expected. Yeah. My, but, hus- my husband's like, well, it's because, you know, I was telling him, I was like, this one does not have good reviews. And he's like, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. He didn't No, I would kind of thought it was going to be utter trash. And it was, it was like. Mid. Pop- yeah, mid. But I would say it's popcorn movie level fun. It's not as shocking as the first movie. You know what? I was fine streaming this film, but if I had seen it in theaters, I would have been pissed. I would have. It's like that movie Smile I saw in theaters. Oh, yeah. And it was so bad. And it was a first date. With the person I'm dating right now, but well, luckily we both hated it because I was as before he said that I he was like how did you like it I was like eh. he's like I didn't like it I was like oh thank God I hated it because there's nothing worse than hating a movie and someone else is like it's the best thing ever you're like the little boy in the meme at like it looks like he's at a party or something he starts looking around <laughs> yeah but I will say before between this movie there's also some true events that this is supposedly based on but also it may have inspired some true events as well which i find fascinating yeah um but we'll get into that when we get to spoilers because i almost spoiled this just now i was having a hard time finding research but i did find a really good interview on side stories for last podcast on the left where henry zarowski interviewed the director, William Brent Bell, who goes by Brent. Yes. 
And um, he actually made a lot of comments about, not in like a super negative way, just like, this is how the industry works. He also directed The Boy, which is also has a twist and is also very kind of ridiculous. Uh, I've seen that one as well. Yeah. Stars, uh, what's her face? From oh, Maggie, Lor- she, Lauren? Yeah, Lauren Cohen, who plays Maggie yes. in The Walking Dead. I almost said Lauren Conrad, and I was like, yes. that's the girl from The Hills. Yes. Uh, or The O.C., whichever one. Was it The Hills? I feel bad. I feel like do not The know. O.C. was a TV show. The Hills was the reality show. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And he also did The Devil Inside. And he said both of those movies, the distribution companies edited a lot of stuff after the fact and yeah. changed a lot of stuff after the fact, which apparently they do that. Which I thought that was some really cool insight. I will say that interview, I would listen to that episode for sure because it is some cool insight into like the post-production reality of when you have a bigger movie versus an independent movie and how much they can actually change your film from beginning to end. You know, you have a finished film and they're like, well, let's change this. Um, cause the devil inside was also purportedly kind of a trash movie as well, mm. but I, it sounds like he is very respectful of horror films. He really likes Robert Eggers, the witch. They were talking about that and he was like, oh, it's such a good movie. And I, I don't think he's a bad director. I think maybe his scripts get kind of that treatment. Yeah. It sounds like, but he also did a movie called stay alive, which is like a video game based horror movie from the early 2000s. Yeah. I kind of vaguely. Yeah. That. And I know e- Eli Roth, I think, is in it as an actor. Maybe that's why I remember it. Yeah, but I feel like there's a lot of... I feel like there were a lot of, like, early 2000s people in that. Um, but I remember seeing the previews for that. But I don't think... It, but maybe that would be a fun one to do. But yeah, uh, that that was a good interview. He seems like a nice guy. Like, again, this was a, the best movie. Not the worst movie, though. I, I can say it's competently made. Well, filmed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel yeah. bad now that I've heard him interview because at first I was like, "This is trash," but then I was like, "Well, I get, I get that it was edited, but also the production team needs to know that like you can do good horror movies." Yeah, and the first movie was genuinely well done. Yeah, like and had like and Julia Stiles is a good actress. Honestly, like I love Julia. Well, I loved Julia Stiles growing up. 10 Things I Hate About You. I didn't really watch The Prince and Me. Or Save the Last Dance. Save the Last Dance. You know, love those movies. And she, she's, she had some really good acting chops at a very young age. However, she kind of hasn't done a ton of movies. Apparently, I have not gotten to watch this yet, but she is in Silver Linings Playbook. And some part in that? If she is, it may be a very, very minor role because that's... Yeah, it must be a minor role. I was about to say, that's basically a Bradley Cooper and Jennifer uh, Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. Movie. Yeah. Like, they're definitely in the main... I mean, there's a lot of great actors in that movie. Yeah, and I'm, she was on one season of Dexter, but I hated her character. She may be his sister-in-law. Now, he, she may oh, okay. be Bradley Cooper's sister-in-law now I think about it. It's been yeah. a couple years since I watched it. But it's, you know, like, but she's a pretty good actress. She was on a, a season of Dexter after Dexter jumped the shark, in my opinion. Mm. Anyways, but this is really the first big movie I'd seen her in. I did not know she was in this movie when I first turned it on. So I was like, is that, is that Julia Stiles? What are you doing in this movie? Um, which I feel kind of bad about because I feel like this is one of those movies that you either do at the beginning of your career or when your career is winding down a bit and you want to get out there and do something. Yeah. You know, but it could be like a comeback. Like Carrie right. Fisher did 
sorority row. Or it could be just something that just she to do. that passed her desk and she's like, okay, this is kind of fun. Yeah. Know? And she, I mean, she has a much funner role than I think Tice, I mean, Vera Farmiga had. I want to say her sister's name. No, it's okay. Um, yeah, because you know what? This movie is like, it's not the greatest movie in the world, but I, I mean, if someone offered me to be in it, I mean, it's fun enough I'd be in it. I yeah. I will say it is weird though, because there's like three different writers. So there's yes. Alex Mace, who I think wrote the original movie. Writer and did the story, yeah. Yeah. Um, who also did, was a producer on that Red Riding Hood movie as well, which yeah. had um, Amanda Seyfried in it when she mm-hmm. was right after Mean Girls, pretty much. Like, not right after, but very close to Jennifer's body yeah, in Mean like Girls. Yeah, late 2010, early 2010s. Yeah. I mean, I'm, that's what I'm sorry, late, like, 9, 10, 11, somewhere Yeah, in something area. like that. Yeah. Um, and then there's David Leslie, Johnson McGoldrick, very long name, mm-hmm. who has written the original Orphan as well. Yes. Uh, but then Aquaman. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> Conjuring 2 and Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It, too. Oh, Devil Made Me Do It was Devil Make Me Stop Watching This yeah, Movie. Yeah, it was, it was not awful. good. You just sound like a sex in the city. Like, yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. I, I, apparently, it's just grown into me. Oh, that's what she said. That's what she said. <laughs> oh, there's the office. Okay. There's the office. And 14 episodes of The Walking Dead. Now that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then also the Red Riding Hood movie. And Seance was a producer, which the writer for The Guest and You're Next directed that. And I'm blanking on his name. Oh, I hate that. Um, but that was one that we talked about doing last year when it came out. I think oh, it's yeah. still streaming on Shudder or Amazon Prime. Okay. So, um, but then there's also David Cogshall, Cogshall, who also was the screenplay writer. Yeah. Yeah, screenplay, yeah. And he did The Haunting in Connecticut too. Yeah. So another sequel that was probably unnecessary. I also had to write 2019 Blumhouse Prey, not speaking yeah, of this, which not, 2022 Prey. Not the 2022 Prey. Yeah, 2019 Prey. Yeah. He also did nine episodes to Scream, the TV series. And mm-hmm. it seems like he actually, like, he's a TV writer. Oh, also, I thought it was interesting that the cinematographer, Kareem Hussein, I find the cinematography kind of boring in this movie. And it's very dark, a yeah. lot of it. And I'm and I'm and it's set in 2007, so perhaps that's why, because they're trying to make it look older. But he also did the cinematography for Seance, that movie, um, also a movie called Ascension. But then Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor and Infinity Pool, and I saw Infinity Pool, and it's it's beautiful cinematography. It's really great. And I was like, well, this is not... Obviously, this was a maybe sleep through the job. No, maybe not. But maybe this was just an easy job. Or maybe he didn't get a lot of direction. Because, like, it, it's very interesting to see the same cinematographer with two different directors and how different it is. Yeah. Because, like, Infinity Pool... Have you? I haven't gotten to watch Possessor yet. yet. But Infinity Pool is... That parts of it are just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Because you're, like, in this, like, villa, and there's all these, like, sun and stuff. And, like, some of it's pretty, nor- like, normal. But then there's a lot of weird camera things going on, very trippy things. So it's very interesting because this movie is very much... It's, like, early 2000s. Yeah. Like, Swim Fan, which yeah. is oh. uh, one of my guilty pleasure yeah. favorite like thriller movies, I guess it's not really horror. Yeah, I'd say thrillers, but that or like Glass House, wh- which we did do. 
She did not hold up. Yeah. But, you know, I had questions at least. I guess, do you want to go over the cast before we go over the rundown? Yeah, we can a little bit. Um, so we got Isabel Fremen. Fremen? Fremen? Fremen. Fremen as Esther. So, of course, she played uh, Esther in The First Orphan. She was also Clove in The Hunger Games, which is a female tribute from District 1 because I'm that nerd. Um, that's that's all I thought it was. Yeah, because it's her. I think it's her and Jack Quaid. It's the other district. It's hilarious one that Jack Quaid is that. Asshole. I know. I think he's Marvel, such a sweet little yeah. nerdy guy in and, real life. And the and also in the boys, Huey's such a nerd. But yeah, no, he's an asshole in the first summer game. Yeah. Um, she's also on nine episodes of Master of Sex, which I've always meant to see. That I've heard one, good yeah. things about I've been it. to watch that one as yeah. well. Yeah. And she was recently in, uh, Escape Room Tourna- Tournament of Champions. And the last thing Mary saw, which I heard was actually really good, and is, I think, on Shudder? Okay. I say. I think it was a Shudder film. And I actually didn't know anything about that movie. It, it popped up in, like, the horror YouTube, like, you should watch this. It's coming up, and I didn't get to watch it yet. So. Yeah. Something about, like, a nun... Or something, and there's, like, a ghost or some... I don't know. Somebody... Yeah. Anyways, it looks interesting. I don't... It's been, like... It came out, I think, last year, so... Okay. And then we also have Julia Stiles, which we, who we already mentioned uh, was in 10 Things I Hate About You and uh, Save Last Dance and... Oh, she was also in the Omen remake, which I totally forgot about. Oh, oh, oh. Like... Uh, no, the Omen remake. Oh, oh yeah. she also was an O. Yeah, which she is, <laughs> it's Othello. Remake. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. She wasn't. So she was. She was Ophelia in the Hamlet remake, um, with Ethan Hawke okay. as Hamlet. It's very silly. The Hamlet's father's ghost walks through a Pepsi machine, and we were we were doing Hamlet in AP English, and we watched it, and my whole class erupted in laughter, and we, like we, I think it was a bonus question on one of our quizzes because our teacher thought it was so funny. It's like. What kind of soda machine <laughs> did Hamlet's father's ghost walk out of? Coca-Cola? Pepsi? Dr. Pepper? That's it's amazing. Um, but she was also an O as, I think, Desdemona. She was, yeah. Because um, it was Josh Hartnett. I feel bad. He was the Iago character. But Josh Hartnett was, uh, oh, oh, who but, was Othello? I oh, God, he's so one. hot. Oh, it is. Okay, it's Mackay Pfeiffer. I was like, okay. he was on ER. <laughs> it's Mackay Pfeiffer. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I, wait, wasn't he in... Uh, oh, he was also in 8 Mile, but I feel like... Wasn't he on ER? I'm gonna... like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Two, 1999? Oh, Donna, Donna the Dead. Was he the guy with the pregnant girlfriend in Donna the Dead? Maybe. I can't... I mean, I don't know, because I don't know the actor as well. Yeah. But I just see he was in Donna the Dead. I see he the was picture. also in Carmen, a hip-hopera, which I never actually watched. And I still know what you did last summer. He was also on Star Trek Discovery right now, and he was in a few episodes of The Man in the High Castle, which was a really good series that I, again, started watching. I think I finished the first season, but it was good. And then we've got Gunner. Yeah. Gunner. Gunner, played by Matthew Finlan. Yeah, that definitely looks like it's Yeah. Yeah. Who's the brother of Esther. Uh, So he's in a show right now called Ezra... He was also on a couple episodes of The Terror, uh, which is kind of a historically based horror anthology series. Uh, the first episode, the first season's about that ship that got lost it, during like the 1800s up um, trying oh. to pass in the Arctic like yeah, yeah. or in, between Canada and the United States. Um, and they got stuck and then they all like mysteriously died and then they found, I can't remember what the fuck the 
the boat's name was. But then the second season is about uh, Japanese-American people in an internment camp oh, during World oh, War wow. II. But then there's, like, a ghost hunting people down in the, I think. Because so I saw that. And I was like, oh, so it's not like, I was like, I didn't realize they were going to turn it into, like, a series. I thought it was just going to be, like, one mini series, And then it, I believe that's the one I'm thinking of. But if I'm wrong, I'll fix it next episode. But um, I'm interested in watching more of it. Um, and then she's not a big part, but she does come up throughout this. She's got, like, Margot Martindale. We have a yeah. therapist in this one as well. Do you think they did that on purpose, just having a therapist? Well, you know, it is. I will say, like, when people... I don't mean this to sound offensive. It may come across, but when people have money and means and their children go for a traumatic thing, they actually can't afford to take their children to therapists. Yeah. Um, but Samantha Walks plays Dr. Seeger. I think she must be British because she's in Murdoch Mysteries. And that is a very British show. Um, she was also on Deadly Estate in the Kinds of Napa. Was it oh, I it was the Kings of Napa. The Kings, I mistyped. I was yeah, because like, the only like, reason I, I remember is because I remember on the IMDb she plays a character with the last name King. So I was like, oh, oh okay. this must be a family. The Kings oh, are the family. Yeah. yeah, So the Kings of Napa. Yeah, I was like, as soon as I said that, I was like, that's not what I meant to type. And she plays the family's therapist, Doctor Seeker. Yes. Um. But yeah, so that's that's our cast. Yeah. Did you write a rundown? I did write a teeny tiny one. Uh, I I think the only other two people I had was Doctor Not Not Bethy. I'm butchering that last name, and then Anna, and they're just in the oh they're, yeah, in the they're beginning. they're like in the first fifteen minutes. Yeah, we can talk about them. Yeah, so uh, David Lawrence Brown is the doctor at the asylum in the beginning of the film. Psychiatric uh, facility. The psychiatric. I say asylum because the Sarn Institute. Institution, thank you. Institution yes. was the word I was thinking of. So, um, which actually is accurate because in the first movie they talk about it. Yeah. Yep. You're right. Um, but he was on 14 episodes of a TV series called The Pinkertons, as well as the TV oh, cool. series Burden of Truth. And he was a bit part in the TV series Fargo. I'm not sure what season. Okay. Uh huh. And then he had a very minor role in the first X Men movie. I wrote that one down for Ryan. Um, he was a police officer in the first X-Men movie. Um, and then we have Gwendolyn Collins as Anna, the TV series Channel Zero, the short patterns in the movie The Return. So, yeah. Tight. Tight. But yeah, I guess we'll just do the rundown then, and then we'll get into the nitty gritty. Yeah, because there, there was somebody I wanted to mention, but I couldn't really mention him without spoilers. Yeah, like yeah. I can't do a lot without spoilers. So I'm like, ah. So let's get to the rundown and then we'll get to spoilers. So the rundown. Did you write one or? No. no, Okay. I will say it then. The rundown. In 2007, after being placed in psychiatric care for several alleged murders, an adult Lena escapes the Sarn Institute and takes on the role of the 10-year-old missing daughter of a wealthy Connecticut family, Esther. That's what I'm going to say. So, spoilers, spoilers. Go watch this on Paramount+, Plus, Amazon Prime, or MGM+, Plus, which is what it's streaming on right now. Um, and let's talk Orphan. Yes. So, what I didn't want to say before was there is an instance, this is a spoiler for the original movie as well, of adults pretending to be children and being adopted by parents. One happened in Europe. And another happened in America. The one that happened in America happened after Orphan came out, but before Orf- Orf- 
Irfan. Orphan first kill Irfan. Orphan first kill came out. And uh, last podcast on Left on Side Stories kept bringing it up, which is why I remembered it when I was watching it, because they're like, oh, it's the real life orphan. But they're just referring to the movie where this woman, Natalie, who did have a form of dwarfism, so she appeared much younger than she was. Uh, so she says she wasn't posing as a child. The people that adopted her begged to differ. And, like, there's been an ongoing legal battle about it that I can't remember all the details. Because um, I was trying to find those episodes when I found the, uh, the interview with the director. So I decided to listen to that instead. Um, cause it was just like, it wasn't like they did a whole episode on it. They just mentioned it in different episodes when there were updates, but, and then there was one before this. So it's lightly based on true events. There's a couple instances of that kind of stuff happening though. Yeah. Where, cause there was a true crime case. I want to say where there was a, an, a, an older, like a probably early twenties man who pretended to be the, son of a family in America who had been kidnapped and disappeared. And he said like, Oh, I've been in Europe, like basically like being human trafficked. And, but then they, so they get their child back and then they started realizing like, Oh, this does not seem, I mean, they hadn't seen him in like seven years, you know? So they were like, Oh, well, but he's really changed because life was just rough. But then it turns out like it was an adult the whole time just pretending to be their son which is awful. And there's like three different TV shows I can think of that have this plot line. But it is interesting. Yeah. Um, but also this movie has an aspect of the Jean Benet Ramsey case. I actually thought that during the twist in this movie. Yes, yeah. because should we talk about the twist? You, you want to go for the movie really quickly so we can get for it? Well, so basically, this is a prequel. Of Orphan, because things don't end very well for Esther slash Lena. Interesting enough, I will say. In the first movie. Isabel was saying in the interview, uh, Esther survived at the end of the first movie originally in the test audiences. Much like Fatal Attraction, were like, kill that bitch. And so yeah. they refilmed the ending. So Lena is supposed to be, Lena, who is Esther, is supposed to be like 31 in this prequel, supposedly. Yes. But I didn't think she was that old in the first movie. I think she's 33, isn't she? I guess she has to be. Yeah. But I just, I always assumed that she was a little bit younger. So basically, the movie is a prequel. So we find a new art therapist coming to work with Lena at the Sarn Institute in uh, Estonia. Uh, well, she's Estonian, but it seems like it might be in Russia. Mm-hmm. So Russia, Estonia, or Estonia, and basically she does an elaborate escape, which is probably the best part of the movie, honestly. Yeah, or one of the better parts of the movie is she escapes. She uses candy to bait another prisoner to um. Murder people, and that's like one of the first parts that bothered me because you see earlier in the film that she uses the candy earlier to make her like attack somebody else. And I'm like, if someone is that like fragile that they would attack and hurt someone seriously over candy, why are they at the front door of the institution cleaning? Yeah, and why are they not like, like just like, under higher surveillance, restrained yeah. or like had like leg restraints or something? Like obviously not like. 
shackles, but yeah. like they make like very comfortable restraints. Yeah. You know, I feel like if it's at the drop of the hat, yeah. it was, but I mean like, and it's also a little not nice towards people with mental, uh, dis- who are intellectually disabled. Yeah. Because like most people who are intellectually disabled aren't going to just attack people at the drop of the hat. There are people who have violence in them, but like I've, I have family members who have worked extensively with um, intellectually disabled people and it's it's usually like there is a trigger but it's not usually candy it's usually like they see something something happens like one of my friends got into a got cornered by someone they saw their necklace and grabbed their necklace not trying to actually hurt them but they had to basically like maneuver themselves out of that because it was you know dangerous for them but they had to do it without you know most people who work with you know intellectually disabled people or people who have psychiatric issues like aren't gonna just like be so forceful like you usually get a rapport with people yeah you know when you work with them all the time this does not but maybe this isn't a i don't know it seems like it's kind of a reputable place because they're getting a freaking art therapist for one of their patients yeah but like but yet they kind of seem like jackasses I don't know. You know, healthcare, mental healthcare especially is completely fucked in some ways. Um, not all people. There are a lot of really good doctors and nurses and caretakers that are there, but it is a thankless job because they don't pay people enough. Yeah, that's true. And they overwork them and the good people get uh, burned out easily. So, because um, it's just too much on you. But anyways, so she escapes. She kills the Anna lady, the art therapist, steals her car, Goes into her house, plays the piano, because she's really good at piano and painting. And then she looks up on the internet and sees that there's this little girl that was missing uh, from this Connecticut family. And so she's like, okay, my name is Esther now. And so she goes to Connecticut and we find um, the Albright family. Yep. I was right. And we meet Trisha, who's Julia Stiles, and she's very tightly wound. Gunner is a fencing champion. And then Alan is like, I'm an artist, but I'm married into a very rich family, I guess. I don't know if he was supposed to be with money, but it seems more like Trisha's acclimated to that life. So I'm guessing she's the one that came from money um, or from society. And he's very much like, I hate rich people, but I live in a giant fucking house. Very hypocritical. As one does. Um, as one does. Um, but, uh, so basically, he, their daughter disappeared a couple years ago, and the dad has never been the same, so then they find their, the detective, Detective Donnan, shows up and he's like, hey, uh, we found her. And then Esther, of course, tries to acclimate but it's pretty obvious. Like, she doesn't do it as well as she does in the first movie because she's never done it before at this. Well, like, yeah. well, no, she did. She did it in the first movie. They said she did the same thing in Russia. Yeah. Or no, in this movie, they say she did the same thing in Russia or Estonia. She pretended to be a child and fell in love with the dad. And then when he didn't love her back, she killed the whole family and burned the house down. Yeah. And I think that was in the first movie, though. But so... When they figure out that she's actually a psychiatric patient and not a child. Yes. That, that the SAR Institute was a psychiatric facility and not a, a home for children and an adoption agency. They're like, oh, what did she do beforehand? And they're like, oh, yeah, she burned a house down. Yeah. 
Right. Um, so basically, uh, it's pretty obvious that the mom and, and Gunner aren't 100% convinced. Well, Neither like, is the psychologist. Yeah, well, it's like with Gunner, it's like, so obviously it seems like Trisha has her kind of doubts because, like, she doesn't recognize, like, her grandma or remembers that her grandma's died, died and then, like, the... The psychologist uh, brings up the bird because she she calls one bird the bird by another bird's name, but it's a different bird. But also with Gunner, she like literally cusses at him, so yeah. he's like, "Uh, the fuck." So, yeah. and he's an asshole, he and is. his friends are assholes. They are. It was maybe a little too laying it on thick, in my opinion. It was a lot of like, I'm just gonna be a a, a tough kid, but so they. That all happens, and then you you get the inkling that the detective is is like gonna figure out. And here's the thing: obviously, Esther has to kill people. Esther kills the detective because he figured out her fingerprints didn't match the real Esther's fingerprints. Why didn't anyone check the fingerprints before calling the family? I actually thought that too. Like- that is what they always do because they don't want to. The, in every kidnapping story, that there's actually a reunification in real life. And these are ones that, like, happened in, like, the 90s and before. Like, every story I have said, we checked the fingerprints, we checked DNA before we notified the family because we didn't want to give them false hope. Yeah. You know, and this is 2007. They have DNA. It's not as quick as it is now, but, like, they would have had fingerprints on file. Yeah. Also, this is why you get your kids fingerprinted at a young age. So, like, if they ever do disappear and they come back, you got to make sure it's the right kid. Yeah. Because you don't want to have, like, a 35-year-old person in your house that's pretending to be your kid. That's fucking awkward. Right. But anyways, so she kills the, the detective. As the detective's dying, she's like, oh, my mom doesn't even know. You're the only one that figured it out. And he's like, no, she does. Because he sees the mom walk in. And you're like... Oh, God, she's going to find out. And then she kills the detective because she's going to keep it a secret because she likes that. Oh, because she knows that her daughter's actually dead. Yeah. Because we find out that Gunner, quote unquote, played too rough with Esther and killed her accidentally, supposedly, which is a large theory for JonBenet Ramsey is that her older brother allegedly, this is just a theory because he says that this is not what happened because he's still alive, um, that he and her were playing too rough and he hit her in the head, knocked her out. They thought she had passed away and then they put the stuff around her neck, the cords around her neck to make it look like someone had murdered her, but they didn't realize like she wasn't already, like she wasn't dead already and then that's what actually killed her. Oh. That's what the yeah. theory is. It's like it was just a big cover up because they didn't want to lose both children. Yeah. To me, that's like the most reasonable theory. Or one of the parents accidentally killed her. And again, she got hit in the head and they didn't because she did have head injury. Yeah. And there was something with like there was a train set because she was eating food because she had partially digested pineapple mm-hmm. in her stomach and she her brother had also eaten pineapple. Like, that's what they had a snack. So it's like, maybe they were playing. I don't know. Something happened. That's the most plausible theory to me is that she accidentally got knocked out. Maybe she was breathing very shallowly. They thought she had passed away. So then they didn't know what to do. And they didn't want to lose both their kids or either one of them to go to jail. Yeah. So they just staged it like it like she had been murdered. And then, but the asphyxiation, I think, is what actually killed her, I believe. 
So I think they may have accidentally murdered her. I don't know. Oh. I don't think they. I, I don't yeah. think anyone in the family purposefully murdered jo- murdered John Bonet, but I do think it. In my opinion, with the letter and everything, to me, it's very suspicious that there wasn't some... I think there was some kind of cover-up of something. Because also the way that she was found was very suspicious because everyone had looked in the basement, but then the dad brought her up and then he moved her? Yeah. Which seemed kind of weird. Like, if I found my dead child... a dead person in my house and the police were already in my house, I would yell for them to come see where she they were. Yeah. And then try to resuscitate them, you know, if you could. Anyways. So sad. But, but I yeah. did, like, think that, that maybe that's part of it. I didn't get a confirmation on that. But, yeah, though, that's the first thing. When she said it, when that twist happens and she said, you know, she basically said it was Gunner, I was like, that's the sad first thing that came to my mind was JonBenet, too. Yeah. So. Which, I mean... It definitely makes it more interesting because instead of like in the first movie, it's Vera Farmiga's character and Esther. Esther kind of sets her up to look like she's relapsed and is abusing alcohol and putting the children in danger. So the husband turns against her a little bit, but not completely. You know, he's just but but pretty much everybody's innocent but Esther in the first movie. Yeah. Um, she manipulates the kids, and then she traps them, and then she tries to murder them, and then the mom and the dad, all this stuff happens. She basically injures every part of the family, uh, the brother and the mom, who are the two people that are suspicious of her, to get in the hospital. And then when the dad and the little girl, who she's been manipulating, are the only ones home, she, like, makes moves on the dad. Yeah. Which I will say in the first movie, I feel like it got a little more uncomfortable and I did not realize she was underage when she filmed that movie. I thought they really had gotten someone who just looked very young. Yeah. But she was 11. Yeah. But she was filming the first movie. And I did want to because Isabel, like I was reading an interview with Isabel and she said, or Isabella, she said, you know, the first director, the first orphan film, she's like, he was very much like a father to me. He made things because they were asking her, they're like, what's the difference working with him versus, you know, Brent, and uh, she said, you know, he, the first director, I forgot his name, God bless it, but she said he was very much like a father figure, but with this guy, what she really, really liked about um, about Brent or William Brent Bell, she said that he, she had two, she had two, um, God, what did I just blank on him? I'm so sorry, guys. She oh, had, the first director is Jean, 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 Colette Sarah. Okay, yes. So he took pretty good care of her. Or maybe Huame? Because he's he's Spanish-American. Oh, he did The Shallows. That's a J. He did The Shallows, House of Wax, and a bunch of Liam Neeson movies. That's pretty cool. And Jungle Cruise and Black Adam, yeah. which nobody liked, apparently. I actually haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either, but I, everyone was like, ooh. But uh, Isabella had Esther Doubles for this movie, so she had two girls, Kennedy Erlin and Sadie Lee, who who played Esther's doubles, essentially. So there's a lot of movie magic, practical magic that went in, because obviously she's 12, 13 years older now. Is she much taller now? I don't know if she's, like, a lot taller. You know the scene where she's going for the asylum, like, yeah. to escape? They actually used her in both her doubles in that scene. Oh, okay. Which I thought was pretty cool. But basically, the director of this movie allowed her to direct her doubles. 
So he was just like, hey, they're they're Esther. You all are three Esther. You tell them what you want to do and you guys work out something together. So she's like, we did a lot of play together. And she's like, which kind of made me remember when I played Esther at a younger age. Yeah. And she's like, they also gave me a lot of insight again into being the child. So uh, yeah. I thought that was really cool, cool that she created her doubles. And he also let her direct her Because face-wise, she still looks like she could pass as a younger person. Well, however. Yeah. I, that's why I was like, how tall is she in real life? Well, Doug Morrow, who did the makeup effects, so I was reading about this too because it, it's really, really cool. So they um, they did these these uh, effects on another young woman just to see who was in her 30s to see mm-hmm. if they could do it on Isabel before they, you know, because he really wanted Isabel. Um, and they were just like, well, can we make this even work? And so what they had to do, they used appliances, which they glued onto her face to make it more round dentures and the dentures they used so it made her look like she had more gums and less teeth like a child um and they also used traditional highlight and shadow beauty techniques contact lenses to make her eyes look bigger and then lighting angles so yeah they actually did do things to make her look a lot like her younger self which i thought was really really cool because i'm like well that's one of the unsung heroes of this movie is how much great makeup effects there are yeah i mean she looks yeah she looks great like she looks like basically what she looked like but i was she looked so much shorter than julia and she's apparently my height so they did have like jean simmons boots that all the other actors wore oh yeah so the other actors were wearing those like high platform boots in the scene with her (gasps) to boost them that's awesome Mm -hmm. that because i was like julia styles isn't that tall yeah she's not short but she was but i was like is Isabel like because she could be like Kristen Chenoweth is like 4'11 yeah and she always has been she's just a, a shorter person um but and I can see how that would be easy to camera trick but yeah so the twist is the the mom and the son have already buried one body so they bury another body and then bodies start piling up and then they all have this cat and mouse game where like Gunner wants to get rid of Esther Lena because he didn't like her in the first place. And then uh, Trisha wants to keep her around because her husband's so much happier. And apparently their sex life has gotten great. Yeah. Because, you know, if your child disappeared, you probably wouldn't be very horny. Like, you'd be very depressed. Fair enough. And then, like, they both decide, no, bitch has got to go. Meanwhile, the dad is just teaching her how to paint. Which, okay, this went totally over my head. I will say this is a, a pro and con of the movie. If you really like the first movie... There's a bunch of throwbacks to yeah. things that happen. Because a big reason they did this movie was because there were plot holes. Like, why does she know how to paint? Why does she do this UV paint technique where, like, she paints in invisible paint? with, But it shows up in UV lighting. And it's a big reveal in the first movie. Like, wh- why is she so good at, like, the piano? Like, why is she good at this? How did, how did she get from Russia to America illegally and nobody like caught when it's like oh because a very rich family took her on their private plane okay it makes more sense um how did you know you still would have to go through customs though but whatever oh i think you do you should have to i'm pretty sure you do i don't know but um so the dad's teacher had this uv paint trick and I hadn't seen the first movie the first time I saw this, and I was just like, I don't understand why this is such a big deal. And, but then when I saw the other movie, and then so I was like, oh, okay, it's a throwback. Tight. If you hadn't seen the first movie, this movie, a lot of the moments would probably not make much sense to you. But anyway, so, like, they try 
to just get rid of her. And then she tries to push them in front of a train. So then they're like, okay, all bets are off. And then they just start doing all this shit to each other, including her putting a dead rat because she's made friends with the rats in yeah. her house, which was kind of weird, but okay. Because they're really, really rich, but yet they have vermin, okay? Yeah. I mean, it's an old house. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I yeah. love rats, but you know, it's just like, it doesn't... It was, I was like, those are some big rats. Yeah. And they're those domesticated, some... too. They're coming right up to people. Yeah. Those okay. are like New York City rats that mm-hmm. aren't afraid of anybody. But she puts a dead rat in this special smoothie she made for Mama. And, um... <laughs> and then... Yeah, and then she tries to push them in front of a train, and then they get into a fight, and then she steals their car, which I was like, okay, great, like, good, that's how she escapes. But she throws in some sunglasses and starts chain smoking and putting lipstick on. I know, right? And I was like, that's hilarious. This is the best um, part of the movie. It was the best part of the movie. Yeah, next to, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, and she's just like chain smoking. And then, of course, she gets caught and she gets brought home. And then the mom and the brother are like, oh, we're gonna have fake. That you've, you know, injured yourself. And that's how we're going to murder you. And then they all start fighting. And then she kills Gunner. Which he, I mean. He's Gunner okay. was an asshole. I but mean, but it also because he alludes that, like, he has no regrets over killing his sister. Either. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, a, yeah, he's messed up. Messed up rich kid. And then the house gets set on fire, of course. Because that's what she does. And... Alan comes home and he, both Lena and Trisha are hanging off the roof. And so he has to save one of them and he accidentally lets go of Trisha. Yeah. And then saves what he thinks is his child. And then she kisses him and she's like, I love you, Alan. And he was like, what the fuck? And then he falls off the roof. Yeah. And then that's how she survives. Yeah. Basically. And then, like, the end is very psycho-esque with the ending, where she's just, like, sitting there and, like, looking as the psychologist is, like, discussing. But here's where my questions start. After the fingerprints. This family was very rich. She's their only child. None of these people know that she's not Esther Albright. Why was she put into a foster home? Yeah. Why wasn't someone assigned? To, she didn't have any family, but they could have assigned someone to take care of her. And she had enough money that she didn't necessarily have to go to a foster home. What happened to all the inheritance? That's true. That's true. Because you would think that, yeah, she wouldn't inherit and she'd be rich. Like, yeah. You know, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me why she's put in a foster home and why there's no mention of it in the first movie that like, Well, so she actually inherited a lot of money, but she doesn't have any family members who are alive to take care of her. So, you know, that's why she was in the foster home and she's got like a, what are they, a trust fund. Yeah. Like, it's something like that. But I was like, the whole house just burned out. If nothing else, they have insurance money coming in. Yeah. You know. But they're just like, oh, well, who wouldn't want to adopt her? I was just like, everyone. She's she's kind of creepy looking. I'm sorry. Yeah, because she wears, like, old-fashioned dresses and everything. Yeah, yeah. She looks like a creepy little Victorian child, which I know is, like, the whole point of it is, like, of course, she, like, it's like Annabelle. They yeah. made the Annabelle doll look very creepy because it's a horror movie. But, like, the real Annabelle doll was just a big Raggedy Ann doll. Yeah. You know, 
But like they're like, well, of course she can't dress like a normal child. She'd have to dress like a creepy Victorian child with pigtails and yeah. and lace dresses and shit. And it's, it's like, have like, you ever seen Stuart Little? They want the different child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would. Oh yes, these children are lovely. But look at that one. She looks like she's got the plague. Let's adopt that child. Fuck these kids. I want the mouse. I want the mouse. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, I love Stuart Little. I do too, but I'm just. Stuart needed a home. Stuart, he might only have a lifespan of 12 years max, but. He's absolutely precious. He's absolutely precious. But I mean, they could have adopted the mouse and the child. I'm just saying. He doesn't take up a lot of. I feel like in the book, is he actually a mouse or is he just a mouse? No, he is a mouse and she gives birth to him in the book. Oh, yeah. Because even as a child, that messed with me. I knew there was something creepy in that book. Yeah. The movie's adorable, though. It is really cute. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm talking like people talk like that when they adopt kids. But this is a world where, like, mommy vloggers will go adopt a kid and use the child, basically, for views. And then one lady returned her child. Well, she she rehomed a child. Okay, I get rehoming a pet. But rehoming a child. And see, to me, I'm like, rehoming a pet is like only in extreme circumstances. Exactly. So it's like, so I'm like, it, like, you really need to home a pet only in extreme fucking circumstances. And I that's how I got Gizmo. Yeah. Wasn't really extreme. He just was not a good fit. Yeah. But he was also a puppy. So it wasn't like he had lived with someone for like 10 years. Yeah, that's, oh. He I, was I, five months I'm old. I'm like, oh my God, I'll soapbox. I shouldn't. Okay, but. But no, yeah. like, I. Yeah, but people do do that stuff, I it's guess. Insane. Which is, like, sad, because, like, that's the thing. It's, like, the foster system's so broken, because it's, like, there are plenty of parents who, like, have, like, maybe aren't the richest, but, like, have enough money to provide, but, like, they don't have all the extra money, and so they're not going to be put up front for adoptions, because adoption is really expensive. But then it's, like, people who do have money, not everybody, but there are people that could just adopt somebody just to like have the status symbol of I adopted a kid. Yeah. And it, you know, it's an individual thing, but I mean, adoption is really hard. Yeah. And this is like, this movie's like kind of scaring people away from that, but there's so many kids who need families, you know, especially like people who are like anti-choice, but they're like, well, you can just uh, give your kid up for adoption. I'm like, and where will they go? Are you going to adopt this baby? Yeah. Where are they going to go? Do you know how many children are in foster care? Do you know how broken the foster well, care can system walk down is? Down to the local mall and see how many kids are still in need of foster homes. They have their pictures up. Right yeah, the like board. it's ridiculous. Like you know, ugh, people are so stupid. I'm like, that's why it's a problem. That's why sex education needs to be in our education system. So maybe people wouldn't have as many unplanned pregnancies if we actually educated people and provided them with services. Yeah. You know? And then we wouldn't have all these children who don't have homes. Yeah. Because the only thing sadder than a puppy or a kitty who doesn't have a home is a child with a home. Without a home. With a home. Without a home. Yeah. It's depressing. I'm sorry. Like, and I'm like, well, people like, I always thought I could adopt a kid when I have kids. But now I'm like, I don't know if I could afford to adopt a kid. It's very expensive. Yeah. A lot of people can't afford to adopt children. And the thing is with the foster care system, because there are people who adopt for the foster care system, but ultimately you want to reunite the children with right, their family with members. Right, their family. That's the So goal. it's kind of like, you know, like, yeah, it's great if adoption happens, but most of the time it doesn't. I feel like literally the only good adoptions, like, was someone, 
through the foster care system is going to be like an it takes two or Miss Honey from Matilda kind of circumstance where you yeah. just happen to meet a child at your work and you're like, wow, this kid and I get along. I, this could be my young ward. I do, ha- I do have an old co-worker from a previous job that he did adopt his four children. I think he met the mother and it was like their father was in prison and they, she was struggling to take care of him and he was able to adopt four, all four of her sons from her. Aww. So, yeah. That's um, also the thing is, like, kids get split up from their siblings. And yeah. it's like, oh, my God. I mean, I get that sometimes it's a necessity, but that, oh, that just ma- breaks my heart. Anyways, so what I'm saying is orphan and orphan first killer kind of trashy fear-mongering for people who want to adopt children. Yeah. However, this movie is less about an adoption gone wrong and more about someone just lying to people. Um, and also a weird reference to Jean-Benet Ramsey. Rest her little soul. Yeah. But I will say, some of it's very fun. I like the part where she's driving in the car, smoking. I like, the beginning is, is kind of fun, even though it's a little unkind to the candy woman. Uh, I do think, I like that the mom and son are equally as awful as Esther. Yeah. So sure. it's not just like, because I did feel, I felt really bad because I think the dad gets killed. I feel so bad for the, the first dad. movie. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, the dad in the first movie gets murdered. She's stabbed to death. And like, it's so sad because like, he was a little bit of an asshole to his wife, but like, he was starting to be like, huh, maybe, maybe she was, gone to something and but he still doesn't want to believe that his new adopted daughter is evil so he's trying not to and then she hits on him and then when he's like no um this is inappropriate because you're a child she's like i'm not a child and then she stabs him to death and it's very sad it's peter sarsgaard so it's like oh that's depressing but and i feel about this dad too but like why is it like (laughs) the dads are always getting murdered i guess it's better i don't know it's i think it's like you know it says a lot about esther's psychology is that you know most men because you you do have the the um the employee at the beginning who's obviously there's something wrong with him because he's like providing dresses and he's like trying to flirt with her but a lot of men probably would not give her any kind of romantic attention because she looks like a child and so in her head she's building these relationships with these men and that is a complaint like, on a few reality shows where I've watched, like, people who do have hormonal disorders where they appear very young or they're just, you know, they have a form of dwarfism, so they're very short, so people assume they're a lot younger. That's probably one of the toughest things is they're like, I want to date people my own age, but it's like people look at me and don't see my age because I don't look my age and it's really tough. Yeah, and I think I saw them. a TikTok video from one of those shows, mm-hmm. too, where the girl, like, she... I think she looked like 13 or 12, but she was like in her mid 20s. And she was like, I really want to be with someone my age. But she's like, I also have to worry about them having an interest in me in the first place because how I look. Yeah, which is terrifying. Yeah. I mean, that's so it's kind sad. of like, uh, um, let the right one in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, mm, yeah, it's terrifying. But, um, but luckily, none of the dads in here are. No. I have pedophilic tendencies, thank God. Yeah, I don't know. I, I do like the way Lena and Trisha play against each other. Gunner just seems like a a badly written, like, over-the-top villain. Yeah. You know, he's probably the worst part. 
Also, Trisha's a little too villainous. Like, she's not super... She doesn't really seem to want to bond with her daughter that much. Like, she knows that it's not her daughter. Yeah. But she's also, like, using this person. And yeah, the cinematography's just weird because, like, again, the cinematographer has done really visually stunning movies before. Yeah. So I don't really know what happened there. Or if maybe they just didn't have the budget for better cameras or better lighting. Or maybe they're just trying to be very naturalistic or just bring it back to 2007. I don't know. But I feel like visually there's a lot to be desired. desired. Yeah. I wonder if maybe she, if she did inherit the money, maybe she just likes the orphan thing. Because isn't that what she did to a family in Russia too? So maybe she just likes pretending to be someone's daughter. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe... Then, but it's so weird. I don't well, know. Well, I guess at this point she can't work because, like, it's either A, she's like a child, or B, she can't, like, provide documents because it's like, oh, shit, you're you're crazy. So I guess, like, it's to, she has to have some kind yeah. of means for her to survive. But again, where's the money? Where'd the money go? Yeah. There's a, So, ironically, one of the trivia on IMDb was that this was to fill a bunch of plot holes. Mm. But there's so many more plot holes. I'm like, where did all the money go from yeah. all the other family? You know, because it, it, they do mention that her, the family that brought her over perished in a fire and she was the only one that got out in the first movie. But they don't say they were very rich and she's got a trust fund waiting for her. It's just, oh, yeah. logic loop. Anyways, anything that I missed that you want to point out before we go to ratings? I just thought it was weird how the detective, too, like, seemed like he'd just been stabbed by Esther, but then he seems, like, so calm and he's like, she already knows. And then, like, the mom shoots him. And I was like... It just made me wonder, like, if he, like, had suspected the mom all these years. Maybe. Something happening to the daughter or, like, I don't know. It just seems very, very weird that Detective is so, like, embroiled in this case. And then just, like, mom's there and, like, he's just, like, she already knows. And it's, like, if he knows, she already knows. And he must already know that something (laughs) happened to the daughter. Yeah. So... Well, yeah, it seemed like it was a case that he was really into. Yeah. He had all the stuff at home. Yeah. Also, it took a really long time watching him, like, make his drink. <laughs> I was like, right. Because they're just, like, they're setting that, like, tension. Because it's like, oh, oh, boy, the knife is going to disappear. Oh, God, there's all that coming. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't think the writing was the best in this movie, to be honest. No, I do think the first movie the writing was better but the first movie is also kind of trashy too yeah i don't i don't know <sighs> like this one is fun like i keep going back like it was okay like I it mean, was fun i watch it wasn't just like oh god that's like two hours of my life i'll never get back it was like okay it was it was enjoyable enough to kept my interest it yeah. just wasn't great yes on that note i gave it a six out of ten yeah what did you give it a 5.5 Hey. Yeah. I mean, I watched it twice, and I wasn't bored either time. Yeah. So, I feel like it can't go... I don't know. It might be a 5.5. It's... I would not waste money at a movie theater for this, but... Yeah. You know, if you just want a kind of spooky, but not super scary movie with a couple jump scares in it... Yeah. To watch an, an interesting plot twist? Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, I'm like, you know, the rat's cute. She's driving a car and she looks like a child. She's smoking a cigarette. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, 
It's it's okay. It's I I couldn't give it like a four because it wasn't awful. No, so. everyone the acting is fine. Everything's fine, but that's like how I thought about the boy. Like, but yeah. the boy gets very stupid at yeah, some point. Yeah, I don't so like almost, the twist in the boy. I did not like the twist, but it's almost hilarious to laugh at. Yeah, because it is so ridiculous. Um, what was your rating for this? Your Grindhouse Girls rating? So, unfortunately, I did not have the best one because I could not think of three words. So, I rated it R for rats and ribbons. I couldn't think of a third R Well, luckily, we we kind of talked about mine. Yeah. And we we figured out three, uh, which was rated C for changelings, candy, and chain smoking. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. So I think that's going to be what ours is. Yes. Yeah. I think that's good. So that kind of brings us to next time, which is Britt's pick, which, I mean, this was like Dalton said, actually, I think, was it Dalton that suggested this one? Orphan First Kill, yeah. Yes. We were talking about how Ryan was like, you all need to do bad movies and hate watch things. And Dalton at first was like, old boy. And then we're like, yes, but old boy never streams, unfortunately. Yeah. And, which you guys probably could heard from last week's episode. Then Dalton was like, ooh, what about Orphan First Girl? I was like, I saw that one. It might be fun. So thank you, Dalton. Thank you, Ryan, for putting that bug in our ear. Not so, but but I, since I'd already seen it, I guess we decided it was my pick this week. So it's Britt's pick next week. Yeah. And I think we found something to satisfy that we didn't realize. I never realized that May is uh, AAPI yeah. a History Month. And then until it's like, on my HBO Max, and I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. But this is a good one because this came on streaming just today, I think, on Shutter. Yeah, that's true. So we are going to do Ring, our Ringu, Ringu yes. slash Ring. So I think it gets translated as both. When I first saw it, it was Ringu. Yes. So, but now I think they call it Ring. But yeah, I guess with that, we'll have to say goodnight. It is a good day. Donald Trump was found liable. For at least one crime he's accused of, so yay. I feel like something else could happen too today, but I don't remember. Oh, God. Stephen Crowder's being divorced. I still find that funny. <laughs> but that's been a great day. Yeah. Um. So I do want to thank, I made a text message from some of the ladies from the Vagina Monologues, and someone texted that, and I was like, oh, hey, good news. Fantastic. So it's a nice day, although it's terrible things have been happening this week too yeah um in alabama they're trying to do anti-drag anti-trans bills so please contact your lawmaker please to keep that from happening have you done that i need to do that this okay week. and i was about to ask you no i i, I need to figure out who no, i need I to call one to ask because i don't know if you leave a message or if you're actually talking i will say magic city acceptance academy and their magic city acceptance Oh, what does the C stand for? But like the group that helped open up Magic City Acceptance Academy, their Instagram had uh, information if you're in Alabama or really anywhere where you can look up who you need to call because I need to know who I need to call directly. Yeah. And see, I I more so I'm not nervous about leaving a voice. See, email is probably more my speed because talking to people makes me very nervous. So, but they even have like a little script that you can read. Um, so they, they did a really good job of doing that. So they're usually a really good resource for, um, any kind of LGBTQ plus, um, issues. Cause they're usually up on it. They're the ones that broke the news for me and actually put pictures of the bill up, but let us know if there's anything we need to check out. 
be good to one another, be safe, uh, keep an eye out for creepy people because that's been not fun lately. Um, and we love you guys. Thanks you for listening. Spay and neuter your pets. Yeah, take your vitamins, wash your hands, and take care of yourselves and each other. Yes. Yep. Love you guys. Love you. And we just look forward to seeing you next time on Same Spoopy Channel. Stay spoopy, y'all. Bye. Grindhouse Girls Podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.